Welcome to the Live Your Dance Podcast. My name is Molly King, and I'm a former corporate working girl turned author, dancer, and coach. Each week we come together to celebrate someone who has found their metaphorical dance and listen to their insights in order to inspire you to find and live your dance. Thanks for tuning in and joining me today. Now, let's dance. Hey guys, I'm super excited to bring you an episode with Derek Loudermilk, who's had an incredibly varied career and yet has found a way to design a life that he loves. He's living in Bali, he's running his own podcast, and getting to do coaching and dive into all the things that he really cares about. So let's listen and find out how he was able to do this and what else drives him in creating a life that he is excited about. All right, let's get going. Wonderful. Well, welcome to the Live Your Dance podcast. I'm here with Derek Loudermilk, who's a good friend of mine and also host of the Art of Adventure podcast. And we're here to talk a little bit more about who he is and what he's up to and how in the heck he can be living in Bali and doing what he loves and making money and able to travel the world, all of which are top on his list. Uh, He also has a long bucket list of things that he's up to, um, which you can check out. But Derek, thanks so much for being on the show with me. Yes, Molly, it's my pleasure. Thanks for uh, allowing me to return the favor of you coming on my podcast. Well, of course. We had so much fun. We had to do it again, but this time I get to hear all about you. So this will be a wonderful dive, deep dive session. So Derek, give me a little bit of background on first what you're up to these days in terms of, um, I mean, I know your story quite well, but not many people may. So um, what's the 411 on Derek Loudermilk? Yeah, so the big project that I've been working on since 2014, mid-year, is the Art of Adventure podcast, and I also bring on guests from all over the world, entrepreneurs, artists, and athletes, and we get into lifestyle design and specifically learning how they learned to move through each new phase of their life and I've been I've been really thrilled with with the project. We're about thirty five episodes in right Great. now, and it's it's definitely something that I will be doing for a while. And th- this is a total pivot for me from my two previous careers, which were in order. I was a professional cyclist, and I was a PhD candidate scientist. And now I'm a podcast host, so I've, <laughs> I've sort of jumped around a little, a little bit. bit, but for me, I guess it all makes sense when I think about it. <laughs> yeah, how in the world do you end up jumping from cycling to researcher to podcaster? Yes, how in the world <laughs> does that happen? Uh, 
Well, to start with the cycling, I was a runner in college, and but my true love was cycling. I, I was a kid watching the Tour de France on television and, you know, watching them race through the Alps and through the sunflower fields of France and the, the colors and it's just, that's what first drew me to the sport was actually just the, the television images. But when I started racing, I realized that it's way more fun than running because <laughs> there is strategy involved. Now, as a runner, I was not always the fastest. And mm -hmm. really, you don't have a huge shot of winning if you're not the fastest. But in cycling, you always have a shot at winning because there's teamwork, there's drafting, there's strategy, there's all kinds of things that come into play. Right. And I kind of liked that I could use a little bit of mind power to overcome the fitness differences that some of my competitors like Lance Armstrong had <laughs> over me. That's quite a competitor. <laughs> yeah, he was a tricky one. I, I did not beat him. <laughs> so close. Um, yeah, that's interesting though, and I'm sure those are what you learned in cycling, and I noticed that you have also been a coach and an athletic coach, as I'm sure you do business and whatnot too, but I'm sure there are a lot of metaphors and cross-pollination that happens with, with you know, the mental endurance that you've cultivated with cycling, too. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about, like, how can I transport ideas from cycling into the business world? And the one that stuck with me yesterday, I think I was thinking about it, was drafting and how in a pack of riders, when you're, when you're drafting behind the lead rider, you're saving 20%, 30% energy or whatever. And I thought about there's a couple ways that you can draft in real life, and that's either stand on the shoulders of giants, mm -hmm. find, a, find a mentor who has already done exactly what you want to do and follow in their footsteps. The other way is to hop on a platform, like take Ruby on Rails, the great example that made it easier for everyone to learn to code. Mm. Uh, essentially, everyone is drafting because of the work that the guy who created Ruby on Rails is doing. Wow, yeah. And so I was, I was thinking about how can I draft more in real life? Mm. How can I make this easier for me? That's a really fun way to look at it and, and to take that strategy and make it still applicable even if you're not full-time cycling. Um, but that's, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so tell me, as you went, as you moved from each position in life, what were kind of the major wake-up calls that either shifted you from cycling to research or research to podcasting that you do now? Yeah, and this is something that I like to talk about because it took a lot of, I don't know, it's hard to pivot from one to another, yeah. and it took a lot of sort of like self-convincing and I don't know, admitting things about myself that I was holding on to. So for the cycling, it's it's beautiful sport, but there's a time limit on professional sports. Yeah. And you you really can't compete. There's a couple guys competing into their forties, but there's really no one making a life career 
a lot of, you know, some people become coaches or team owners or whatever. Right. But I realized that I could keep bike racing my whole life and have another career. And so I started to think, okay, what, what would that be if I was going to balance it out? And because cycling is so physical, it's essentially just manual labor. <laughs> it's fun. I said, okay, I want to just really focus on my mind. Hmm. What is, what is really challenging? It's for me, science, scientific research. And as a kid, I had, I had grown up reading about astronauts and Shackleton and Darwin mm. and the, the polar explorers and people like James Cook. And I thought, oh my gosh, I want to just have an adventure. I want to learn something but have an adventure. I love that. And I, and I figured that the best way to do that was to do research on the cutting edge somewhere out in the wilderness and my conclusion was that I was going to study the hot springs of Yellowstone National Park. Okay. <laughs> Any and, particular uh, reason? or the, the reason, besides getting out into, the, into nature and seeing all the hot springs and being in a wilderness, was that I'm really curious about the beginnings of life. Hmm. What... How did, how did it happen, first of all? We're still not really sure how it happened. And is there life elsewhere in the universe? Yeah. And the best way, I think, to look at the possibility of, of those things is to look at the extremes of life on Earth. So the super cold and the super hot. And so I went with hot. And okay. so, I, so I was doing research in boiling acid hot springs. We're talking almost... Uh, just below boiling temperatures and pH of about one and a half to two. Dang. And the the virus that I discovered, I actually discovered a new virus. Whoa. Is um, yeah. So that was the big that was the big upshot of the whole <laughs> going, going to grad school was was the discovery of a new species of virus. Dang. Which is which is unrelated to any known species, and hopefully. It will give us some insight into, you, you know, some some of the beginnings of life. <laughs> yeah, some kind of genesis of, yeah, evolution or something. That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. So, why? What made you not continue with that? Why switch careers again? Yeah, and so as I tell this story, every time I tell it, I think that's it's really cool. You know, it's a cool thing to say. Yeah. I discovered a virus. And that's, <laughs> that's a one sentence summary of three years of work. <laughs> that's amazing. And the three years of work was part of the reason why I'm not doing a scientist. It's not because mm. I, I don't like working hard. It's because the things that I enjoyed, the talking about science, the theorizing about how how it might fit in with the broader body of knowledge and, and, you know, working our way towards some sort of truth about the universe is few and far between. Mm. And most of science that I found that I was doing was slogging through 10, 12 hours a day in the laboratory, repeating experiments. And some people love that. They like to get their, 
you know, using the pipetter with their hands, and, yeah. you know, I like looking in a microscope. It's, it's fun to look in, and discover something. Yeah. But when you do the same thing over and over again, you kind of feel like a robot. And then I wasn't using my, my brain like I thought I had planned to do mm. when I went back into academia in the first place. Right, right. And to feel fully utilized, I think, is, is a major component of job satisfaction, where you're not just using, you know, 30 or 40% of your capabilities, but closer to 75 to 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and the whole time I was coming up with these great ideas for more and more experiments, you know, that it would take hundreds of people years to do, and... I realized that I'm the kind of person that likes to get a lot of knowledge and then start connecting ideas. And then the best things that I was good at was bringing together people to do experiments. So I started to think I'm the kind of person that connects people and ideas. I'm not the kind of person that repeats experiments over and over again and finds satisfaction in it. Yeah, yeah. So was that an, uh, was podcasting then an easy option or did you even know about it or how in the world did that come about? I've been listening to podcasts for six or seven years and back then there wasn't that many mm -hmm. options. NPR had some and I think Art of Charm was maybe one of the first ones that I listened to hmm. and I had never considered being a podcast host and it started to I don't even know I think it must just be a series of coincidences that start planting ideas in your mind and you say this is the perfect amalgamation perfect yeah uh, podcasting well first of all I love teaching and I love learning and I think one of my big goals in life is to help people enjoy learning for their whole lives. Hmm. And because I think if we can enjoy learning our whole lives, we can be adaptable. We can change with the changing times. Absolutely. And we can always be creating useful things. And so one of my big goals is to help as many people become lifelong joyful learners. Oh, I love that. It's possible. Yeah. And through the podcast, I think I can do that. That's, that's awesome. I love that idea. Is that, do you feel like, is that your mission in life? Do you feel like you have a, a specific mission or a, uh, oh gosh, what do they call it? Um, well, like, the yoga geeks call it the Dharma. Yeah. Do you I have a Dharma? A lot. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I do. I was, I was thinking about that the other day. I just, you know, I want to have fun myself, have a good life myself, help other people, and I guess I, I don't have a specific one-liner that I can that I can give you, but I I do want people to be willing and and enjoy uh, growing throughout their life. You know. Yes. Yeah. That's something that I've experienced a renaissance in for myself is is uh, being like I was in elementary school where I was just really enthusiastic about 
by learning and exposed to all kinds of new things, and I feel like it's exciting, and I want everyone to be that excited. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually one of the questions I was thinking of for you is, um, you know, for many people, they look at, you know, the ideal career, whatever that might be for them, and think, you know, that's great, but I don't actually think it's sustainable to wake up and love what I do every single day. Do you feel like you're in that place? Or if not, what do you do that keeps it interesting and keeps you engaged? Because this is definitely a self-motivated, you know, project and, and kind of yeah. a whole endeavor. So what's what's your take on that? Well, at this point, I haven't, maybe I haven't been doing it long enough to get sick of it. <laughs> because the, the old... The godfathers of podcasting, they say, well, it's not easy to put out hundreds of episodes. And I'm at 35, so I'm not sick of it yet. And I yeah. wake up, and I'm excited, and because every interview is a new interview. I haven't had a repeat guest yet. But, of course, it's of course it's challenging figuring out all the details. And so, sometimes there'll be something that I don't know much about like uh, making a video mm-hmm. for example I haven't made a ton of videos I had to make a video the other day because I just launched my uh, crowdfunding campaign for the podcast oh wonderful which I should I should tell you about you should um, <laughs> but but so I was putting off the the making of the video the shooting it or scripting it or whatever because I wasn't really sure like simplest things like should I hold it in my hand should I get someone else to hold the camera Hmm. and how do I edit it and these little things that I can quickly just google and find the answer to yeah and so those those kind of things are the are the hard parts where it almost takes saving up some willpower and just getting started yeah and once you do it then it kind of breaks the seal you Mm. know and you're like okay that's it's a little challenge, but it's nothing I can't handle. And I just try to make sure that I'm doing something like that every day, that I'm sort of doing at least one little thing that makes me uncomfortable, scares me a little bit outside my comfort zone every day, so that after, you know, at the end of the year, I have more and more things that I'm comfortable doing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I like the way you said that too, breaking the seal, because it really is. I mean, with any new endeavor I've noticed you jump in and the usually it's the first one that's the hardest and whether it's the first book or the first competition or podcast or whatever I mean yep. the fear of the unknown can be so large and daunting and overwhelming that it paralyzes you and I've been in that spot so many times but it's so true and then you get through and you're like oh it wasn't that big of a deal and <laughs> I can do it better and here's how and I'm now excited to go do it again and Oh, that's that's really cool. I'm sure your comfort yeah. zone is just growing day by day by project by project. Um, that's oh, oh. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. What is at this point? What's your biggest challenge that you're facing? Well, that's a good question, and I'm the kind of person that loves to start things. <laughs> I have a lot of ideas that come naturally, and and then I spend time brainstorming and thinking of them. So I'm flush with ideas and I'm good at starting things the thing that I'm not as good at is finishing them and so that's probably my biggest struggle in life is to take things all the way through to completion 
Ah. And yes. that's, that's uh, something I have to constantly remind myself, you know, is to like finish this episode, finish this blog post, finish this proposal before you jump to the next, to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a theme I've been working on with some of my clients because similar, I think so many of us are distracted or we just spread ourselves so thin on so many things that actually putting in the mental focus to follow something through all the way to the end to finish a proposal or a brief and send it out and all of those things. I mean, there's, there's a certain fear to shipping, um, that Seth Godin talks about. And, and I think that that fear is what keeps us from actually completing a lot. But what would you say are kind of your either tricks or tips on getting yourself to completion with these things? Well, I, because I have to manage myself, I don't have a boss sort of telling me where I spend my time. I tell myself that I have to spend at least three and a half hours a day finishing projects. Ooh, cool. So I, I do it in half-hour chunks so that it's not overwhelming. And so that doesn't count for emailing back and forth. It doesn't count for having lunch with, with a mentor and, and all this other stuff that goes on around a business. But yeah. actually producing something, I, I make the tally marks hmm. in my journal. In my journal. Just the physical, like finally got to the three and a half hour mark of, of creating and finishing things. Uh, and it should be manageable. Some days it's pretty hard actually to yeah. create for three and a half hours, but uh, that's how I do it. That's a great, I like that. And I do think, I mean, three and a half hours doesn't sound like very long, but as someone who's, you know, finishing my first book, three and a half hours of actual focused creation or editing what I've created it can be tough, and but it's very rewarding, as I'm sure you know, too, that feeling of actually getting that chunk done, and then the rest of your day is just has momentum. Yeah, and it, and it feels, I mean, lots of productivity gurus will tell you, like, do your hardest things first, do the lead domino first, whatever's going to make all the rest of your day easier, and there's the the mental side of it too like you you ate that frog so to speak and you're basically cruising for the rest of the day because you've already accomplished your number one thing and then you can feel free to like for me it frees me up a lot to embrace coincidental conversations mm. you know i spend time here at the uh, co-working space which uh that's where i'm recording this now Nice. Here in uh, Ubud, and there's like 50, maybe 70 entrepreneurs that come through here every day. Ugh. Lots of interesting people to talk to, and I want to leave time for those uh, for those encounters. I love that. That's so true, because I, I found that when I'm stressed out, when those opportunities come up, I'm so locked down and focused inward and, and not you know, way too stressed to look out and say like, oh, there's a beautiful person here I would love to connect and, you know, learn about. Instead, I'm like, I must get my things done and blah, blah, blah. But that's true. When you put yourself first and get that done, you're totally open for those conversations and serendipitous opportunities that come along. Um, I was wondering, actually, 
in terms of kind of moving yourself into podcasting world, and this seems to be a project that you're pretty excited about and juiced, you know, ready to, for the day each day, how do you feel like that getting into this has affected your life, not just in the work zone, but, you know, beyond the work zone? Has it affected the rest of your life or what would you, how would you comment on that? Well, I think that the, the barriers between what is work and what is life have become less hmm. because I consider everything that I'm doing part of what I'm, what I'm doing. I, that's, that's sort of a circular uh, way of saying it. Um, any friend I make is full of insight, full of useful information that I can learn from and, and could help me one way or the other. Um, anyone I meet is a potential connection that could help me. Right. And a lot of a lot of what I do, right, is is connecting people, making friends with people who can come on the podcast as a guest, or um, if I want to get something done, like any large project, uh, something I want to do for charity or a course I want to create or, or anything like that, it takes other people. And so the line has started to blur mm. between when I'm on the clock, so to speak, and mm. when I'm not. But when, I, when I'm creating, I'm all by myself in my studio okay. uh, when I'm writing or, or whatever. And then the rest of the time, if I'm reading or chatting with people, I'm just sort of keeping my mind open, keeping open the possibility that, that things may go one way or another. Mm. So before, I feel like when I was at work in the lab, for example, I was thinking about when I would get to go cycling. Uh, yeah. when I could leave the lab or or I was listening to podcasts while I was working and I was more engaged in the podcast maybe than the than the manual uh, manipulation of the experiments that I was doing and it, so at this point I feel like life is just becoming a, a all day long prospect oh, I like that put... yeah <laughs> yeah what has been um, if you don't mind me going a little deeper, what has been one of your favorite, you know, random moments that you've been open to while you've been on this side of the journey? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is here in Bali, it's kind of a hub for yoga. I found a teacher that I'm learning a lot from, and I hope, I think I'm going to have him on as a guest for the Art of Adventure podcast. Great. And he, before he was a world-famous yoga teacher, he was a heroin-addicted porn star, runaway from home. Mm. And he's had this sort of like total shift in his life. And I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going with this story, but <laughs> I, I go to his class in the middle of the day. And every time I go, I'm hit with some piece of wisdom, some piece of knowledge that, that comes from someone who's really been able to accept who they are. And so every time I leave from this class, I feel like I'm a better podcast host because I'm maybe a little more true to my, to my voice or hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to cover up my personality as much. I'm trying to be a little, just a little more, I don't know, honest with the universe about 
what I like and who I am, and and so it's kind of it's kind of cool that this guy that has nothing in common with me is is teaching me so much. Oh, that's and that's a great metaphor for your podcast, for my podcast, for life. That I mean, it doesn't matter where you come from or what your story is. We all have something to offer each other, and that I mean, the inherent value of each person is so so bright and to see it in that man I mean that's just such a shining example of that I'm sure that's beautiful that's really neat man well so yeah yoga is actually that's a great segue because I was going to ask about what you do when you're not at work um I have what I call soul cultivators things that kind of fertilize and help your soul grow and blossom and um that might be too feminine for men but whatever um (laughs) you know, that shapes who you are outside of work. So yoga sounds like that's one, but what else do you do? I'm sure cycling is one as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because I didn't bring a bike here to Bali, and cycling mm. has always been uh, my way of getting outside, of of thinking, and it's almost meditative yeah. to, to go out there and just pound on the pedals. And and as a runner, I do some, some of that with running, as well, and I have, this is the first time in 20 years that I haven't been actively racing, wow. actively competing, you know, 50 to 70 times a year, Whoa. and the, it, the competitive mindset is something that, that can pervade your life. Oh. Um, I'm not playing a lot of board games here either. <laughs> Uh, chess or, or or whatever it is, yeah. another competitive type of avenue. And I, I love I love winning and I love just trying to, to outsmart competition, whether it's in cycling or games or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm not really doing much of that. And I think that it's made me more calm. Hmm. For example, I have less uh, debates in normal conversation in general so maybe I'm just less of an antagonistic person (laughs) but that's yeah that's interesting to look at yeah I'm just I'm just like talking out you know talking out of my butt here I don't know what I'm going to be saying next (laughs) that's the best part (laughs) talk away what else do I like to do I I've started reading more. I mentioned sort of a learning renaissance for myself. Mm. Uh, one of my one of my goals for the year is to up my reading that I do from a book a week to two books a week. Wow! And um, so that's been going pretty well. It's uh, it's been great to to sort of just expand my reservoir of knowledge, and it it helps it helps when I'm when I'm brainstorming or when I'm trying to relate to people, if I can pull something that they might be familiar with, if I read mm-hmm. about their part of the world, if I've read about history or, or read about their career or whatever, I can just find it easier to, to relate, to connect with people. Ooh, I love that. I don't, I don't know if, I mean, there's definitely an uptake of reading, I think with, with all the tablets and things that are out there now, which I'm grateful for. I don't know if the content is as um, 
curated as it used to be back when it took a, a lot to publish a book or an article or something like that. Now anyone can hit publish and not that that's a bad thing. Um, but I do think, I mean, I'll, as a writer of books, I obviously love reading and the whole process, but, um, I'm just high five for reading. Cause I'm <laughs> such All a right. fan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, well, speaking of, what would you say is inspiring you these days? Well, where, where do you go for inspiration? Pretty much every time I do an interview, I, I leave the interview just feeling super excited and just totally, totally ready to go and take over the world. <laughs> I love it. You know, these the the guests that I get to, to interview, uh, they're they're successful at what they're doing for the most part, but most of them are really high energy people and they have lots of great ideas and most of them are really loving, caring people and it's just it's rubbing off on me, I can tell. <laughs> and you know, really, I just I just come out of each conversation. I'm like, I love humanity. I love ideas. I love getting things done. And yeah, yeah pretty much every day, it's it's the people that I talk to, either in the interviews or people here in in Bali that I interact with that I that I'm inspired by. Mm, I really I love that, and that's that's my. I guess thesis is that when you are doing work that you enjoy, it's something that fills you up rather than drains you and that it then would go on and benefit. Like for you, you leave your studio space and you're open and ready to connect with the people around you versus if you hated your job and you were like, Oh, I just want to go home and sit on the couch and numb out with something. Um, you know, it just kind of yeah goes inward. So I love that. That's such a, a great example of exactly what I believe and you're living it, which is wonderful. So that's awesome. Um, another question that I love to ask people is, you know, when things get tough or when you're kind of up against a wall or hitting a plateau, um, or, you know, scared to create or hit publish on something, where do you go to for support? What is kind of your like either nucleus, group of people or like do you turn to books or what what do you turn to when times get kind of tough yeah molly that's a good question and there's a few few different ways and i used to think that i could just rely on on willpower and (laughs) figuring it out myself and that's sort of a limited resource uh-huh. And you can't you Me can't too. just plow through every time, and luckily my parents are are amazing. They they're coming all the way to Bali to visit <gasps> me in a, in a week. That's awesome. And yeah, it's it's really awesome. And you know, my parents have always encouraged learning and um, loving all people that's that's a couple of the things that I that I took from from growing up with them mm. and so they're they're a great resource just you know it's nice to have someone always there that will support you 
pretty much <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> no matter what, and, definitely. Yeah, even when you even when you're not loving yourself as much, <laughs> it's so nice to have someone that loves you anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and I think and, it's, uh, sorry, just real quick, oh. I think it's good to acknowledge that, you know, even though you have this beautifully fledging uh, podcast that's starting to grow really well, that, you know, you've had a successful career in, in many different areas, that even you have times like that, too, um, and that, you know, beyond behind the Art of Adventure logo, like, you're still a person, and you still deal with crap that comes up, so... That's it's just nice to hear that, yeah. We all have moments like that, so it's good you have someone to turn to for sure. Yeah. And who else? And I, well, I do. I did want to give a shout out to all of my my good male friends, all the men who I've either been teammates with uh, in college or lived with, um, cycling teammates, and I have. I have uh, at least a dozen strong male friends that I can talk with and and support me and that's that's something that I'm pretty pretty happy that I've made it through this far with my childhood friends still intact wow and um, and lastly I'm part of uh, and I think a lot of people are realizing the benefit of being in an online group I'm part of our mutual friend Lewis Howe's uh, School of Greatness Academy. Oh, awesome. And yeah. I go to them when I have a specific, like with the video, for example, that I was trying to make. And I, I was basically said, hey, where would you guys start? And someone is more expert than I am in a group of 250 entrepreneurs. Yeah. And someone's going to have a quick and easy idea for me. And so it's really nice to have uh, some sort of online community with people that are working on similar stuff. I highly recommend that for just about if every entrepreneur is to just be part of some community like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they, they say that the, you know, your success rate is dependent upon the five people that you're, you know, most in contact with. So I think, I mean, looking at your, your nucleus of support per se, I mean, it's no wonder that your life is reflective of that level of thought and intention and, and actually like going after, um, you know, these dreams and making them happen and that community that you're part of. That's really, that's really beautiful. Um, well, tell me about what you are, we're going to kind of wrap it up a little bit, but, um, tell me about your, your crowdfunding campaign. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about I'm excited about this. It's on a site called Patreon. Okay. P a t r e o n. Okay, we'll put and that in the notes. Yeah, and, and you might be interested in this because it's for people like podcasters or YouTubers or uh, web comic creators. Yeah. Uh, people that are consistently producing content, and it's a way for them to. Uh, have patrons so uh, if people like what they're doing they can go and give something like uh, a dollar mm. per podcast episode and create like NPR calls it a, a sustaining membership cool yeah for example and so you can get a group of people that like what you're doing to go and, 
and give you a small amount, and then each time you make an episode, uh, you'll get a little bit of money, and and it's it's not going to be something you can get rich on, but it's basically going to allow me to keep producing the show. Yeah, which is the important part. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. I'll definitely look into that. That sounds really neat because I was actually going to ask you and dive into logistics a little bit of just you know some people look at oh, cool, you know, you're traveling the world, but how in the world do you actually make money and how do you sustain yourself while you're yeah. doing something that's kind of off the beaten path? So yeah. this is obviously one part of it. Uh, do you mind sharing some of the other ways? Yeah. I'm, not, I, I'm talk, talking with a couple sponsors at the moment. Uh, currently, I'm affiliating for... Uh, REI, which is a oh, awesome. travel and gear brand that sort of matches up well with my audience. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm in talks with a couple, couple potential long-term sort of sponsors of the show, but also personal sponsors. Awesome. And because largely this whole thing is is sort of a, we've got the art of adventure, but you've also got Derek Loudermilk as a brand. Mm-hmm. It leaves the potential open for brands to sort of sponsor me as a as a host as a speaker as an athlete the kind of all in one and then you have to be pretty careful with with who you're who you're bringing on it has to be someone that you like that sort of fits with your lifestyle yeah yeah um so sponsorship is is another way i do some cycling coaching awesome okay and i've been doing that for about seven years now at this point. Wow, okay. And I, I focus on uh, developing riders, young riders in the sort of junior and collegiate level ranks and sort of preparing them for, if they want to be professional, I sort of take them to the doorstep of professional cycling. Ooh, that's fascinating. So that's another way that I make money. And right now I just pitched a course... Uh, a retreat that I that I'm going to do if everything goes well here in Bali, Ooh. and it's going to be a retreat for adventurous entrepreneurs, where we're going to do business skills like networking and body language and communication in the mornings, and in the afternoons we'll go surfing and whitewater rafting and do some yoga and meditation and all that stuff. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Um, is that in the works yet, or how could people find out more about that, too? Yeah, that's through the co-working space here. They have a new startup called Turnpoint. Okay. And I'm not sure the dates, but I'm shooting for April or May of 2015, um, putting that together relatively quickly. It's, yeah. it's a new startup they have. And wow. Yeah, maybe I'll partner that with an online course. I'm not really sure how that'll work yet, okay. but uh, yeah, maybe people could Skype in for a smaller amount of money or something, and then go surf in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> virtual reality is really uh, a hot topic these days, so maybe we can just make it a virtual retreat. They can crank up the <laughs> temperature to make it tropical and sweaty yeah. in their house, and uh, get like the holographic. <laughs> Goggles that project 3D into their room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I love it. Yeah, who needs real <laughs> life when we have digital everything? 
Yeah. Awesome. No, but that would be amazing. That um, Definitely keep me posted on that, and I'll make sure my listeners are well-informed, too, so that if they'd like to come, that would be amazing. Yeah, will do. Wonderful. Well, um, to wrap up, um, I have a couple questions for you. Um, where can we find you online? What's, what's the best place to come find you? Yeah, so if you are listening to this podcast, then you are an ideal candidate to listen also to the Art of Adventure podcast. And you can find that on Stitcher and iTunes. Just search Art of Adventure podcast. Awesome. The other best place to find me is my website, DerekLoudermill.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Loudermill. Perfect. That's easy. And we'll put it in the in the notes as well. But, um, all right, I have a couple more questions for you. Um, what yeah. are you most grateful for today? That's a good question. And I'll give you my default answer because it's, it's something I don't actually talk about it that much. Hmm. But I realize that it's a big part of what makes me grateful every day. So uh, a couple years ago, I had a giant blood clot in my brain, hmm. and I, the, the doctors told me that if we hadn't caught it in time, if, if I hadn't have gotten a headache, uh, then I might have had a stroke and died. Wow. And, well, a blood clot is essentially a stroke, but mine was on the, on the out, going out side and not the coming in side, so I was, I was able to keep all my brain function and everything like that. Wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm fine mm-hmm. today, for the most part, I think. And, uh, <laughs> I seem like it. It's, it's something that I, if you think about death, if you remember you're going to die, then it, it helps me to, to not hold back. Mm. And that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with, and I've definitely struggled with sort of covering up my true self and holding back a little bit. And so I'm, I'm grateful for a brush with death to mm. sort of serve as a reminder that I should be living because I, because I am. <laughs> Man, that's, that's a pretty good default. I mean... <laughs> Dang. And that actually reminds me of a quote um, that I happen to have right here from Steve Jobs, where he says, remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. Which kind of sounds like what you're up to. Yeah, yeah, you can can, uh, put me down as saying the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Jobs and Dairy Glatter Milk. Not sure who said it first. No, well, uh. <laughs> but it's very possible it was Derek. Um, well, that's that's really inspiring, and I'm gonna hop on that bandwagon and be grateful for that same thing too. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. And as we've kind of talked around it, um, this is obviously kind of my my idea of living your dance, and I saw you doing it in your own way. Um, but what would you say is, is your definition of living your dance? Yeah, that's a good question. And 
Well, so here's an interesting, interesting stories. Yeah. You may may not be familiar with ecstatic dance. I don't know if I it's am. A thing, it's a thing that they have here at some of the yoga studios, and it's like an alcohol, drug-free place, and they just play music, but you just go and dance. But you, it's not like a club where you're dancing with other people. You're just you're dancing just, by yourself uh, in a room full of people. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and, and the first time I did it, I've actually only done it, done it once. Uh, at first, I was really stiff. I was uh, not not loose. I was like, I'll just do the robot because I'm stiff like a robot. <laughs> and then there's people uh, next to you that are, you know, jumping around and swaying like a tree in the breeze and really moving. And you start to loosen up. And after the end of a couple hours, you're jumping around and you're loose and you're feeling the music and you're dancing to the beat and it feels good. And it's... And you, you're not holding yourself back, and you're flowing. And so I think maybe that's how I feel about, about living your dance, is when you can find the times when you're really flowing mm-hmm. in life, when you're really uh, tapped into to how you want to be, and you're just sort of, you're able to create and express yourself the way that, that you're meant to be creating. A plus. <laughs> All right, A plus. That was awesome. <laughs> I didn't know we were we were grading this, but I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little thing I like to do. <laughs> Just kidding. No, yeah, that send was a, send a report card. Yeah. <laughs> you got a C on that interview. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. No, that was that was awesome, and actually kind of made me a little teary eyed because I was like, yes, that is exactly that's you put it so well. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. Um, and I hope many more people can feel that same flow that you found in the dance and that you're finding in your work and with all that you're up to. So um, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. And, and this was just, this hour went by so quickly. And uh, I'm not, I know sure that did. people will love it. So thanks for, for being on. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, Molly. You're doing great work. Keep it up, and uh, good good questions, too, so thank you. Awesome. Well, maybe I'll see you in Bali sometime soon. <laughs> All right. Plan. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, see you later. Well, there you have it. Thanks again for listening and be sure to like, share, and comment on the podcast or around social media. Hashtag live your dance and look forward to more episodes coming your way. Have a great day and be sure to live your dance.